Welcome back to another episode of the EdTech Well Done Podcast. We're here with Katie Campbell of Hayes CISD, going to be speaking about STEM and STEAM, but specifically on a budget. Uh, Katie has got some really interesting perspectives we're going to be diving into concerning what is STEAM, uh, why does it really need to be integrated, but more specifically, how can it be integrated well while keeping an eye on a budget? So this is not going to be the episode where we're talking about $30,000 CNC machines. Uh, This is a little bit more of how can you do it with what you already have. Thanks for tuning in to the episode. As always, sponsored by Neverware and their software, Cloud Ready. Katie, thanks so much for joining the uh, podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jake. Absolutely. So Katie, tell us a little bit, how did you get into education? Um, How did you get into ed tech? Well, I got into education actually 12 years ago in Michigan. The economy was starting to hit, and I was working a really crappy job. And I decided that I wanted to do something more than work for $13 an hour. And I started researching alternative teaching certification programs, and I just came to find Texas as an option. And I had some family here in Texas. And I said to my husband, okay, I'm going to take the test. If I pass the test, we're moving to Texas. So I passed the test, and we moved to Texas, and we have been here 12 years. And it's been really a great adventure. So for me, I first started teaching SPED, special education, and then I moved into middle school science, and that's really where I found my passion in STEM. So I started teaching, I did seventh grade science, and then they opened a new school in Hayes, and I applied to work there as a fifth grade teacher and I was just going to teach science and the coordinator who was over the program said hey I think you'd be really good for the STEM program that we're starting. I didn't know anything about STEM at the time and so it sounded really cool. It was interesting. They had some good ideas and so I kind of went from there. Okay I love it. So a very interesting way to get into education. I always like to hear people's backstory because there really are a lot of perspectives here, and, and I think you've got a very interesting one when it comes to STEM. So just kind of give us uh, your perspective on what STEM is or how it can best be applied in a classroom. So to me, STEM is more than just a science app. It's more than just doing a good, let's say, science experiment. To me, uh, STEM is integrated STEM. So we're combining science, technology, engineering, art sometimes, and math, and we are creating ideas for kids to solve some sort of challenge. So for me, the key is always the engineering design process, and that's what kind of makes integrated STEM something different than just good science, which there's always a place for good science, but I want my kids to have an engineering design challenge. And so that's really what I focus when I work with teachers on creating good ideas and challenges because that real-world connection is what really makes it important for kids. Okay, so as a uh, STEAM elementary science coordinator, you work with a lot of teachers. You're you're trying to get more of this STEM philosophy kind of built into the classroom. Run us through some of the projects you've seen or, you know, what does this look like in a practical application? So one example that really stands out to me is from our, we have a STEM magnet program on four of our campuses in Hayes. And our magnet program is two classes of fourth grade, two classes of fifth grade, and kids have to apply take a test to get in. So everything that we do in those classes is we're trying to do more STEM or project-based learning. And a really, really cool design challenge that the teachers came up with, we had had some bad weather days, which we never get bad weather days in Texas. And we started to do some more research about like things that were being affected, people that were being affected 
buy this bad weather because we really don't have it here. And so the kids and the teachers solved this or are coming up with this engineering design project that relates to weather. And they had different challenges that were important to them. So those ideas kind of like stemmed from like homelessness and people who are homeless, they don't know that bad weather is coming. So what can we design and create so that they know that there's bad weather coming? Another idea that the kids are working on is what do we do for animals that are in shelters? When there's bad weather, what happens? Um, and then another challenge that the kids were trying to solve was crops that freeze in, in bad weather. So what do we do or how can farmers, how can we help farmers so that they don't you know, lose thousands or millions of dollars? And so that's just one example of kids going through the engineering design process and solving some challenges. We also do, we have a lot of teachers that do like STEM bins. So they do it in like a station. It's something you can buy either on Teachers by Teachers or you can Google it. There's Pinterest ideas and there's basically like these little challenge cards that the kids will have to solve some sort of challenge. Like maybe it'll be like design a, I don't know, a tool to separate soil. That's just like a teak. So that's a state standard. So design some sort of tool to separate different types of soil. And they could have different like items, maybe popsicle sticks. They could have Legos. They could have something with Velcro or maybe there's straws and they have to design this tool to solve that challenge. So we do a lot of STEM or STEAM bins in our classes as a station like rotation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's super interesting because basically what it sounds like is you're taking classroom work, giving it real world application and getting students, even young students, the opportunity to solve real world problems. This is no longer just uh, a theoretical textbook problem. This is, you know, our neighbor down the street who's a farmer or uh, the, the, the homeless person that we know or that we see, like, how can we help their lives through these projects? Uh, we're actually recording this right now on the TCEA floor, and we have got robots all around us. We've got STEM stuff all over the place. So we're seeing this everywhere, but you're talking about real-life applications for this and, and getting students to solve real problems. Yes, absolutely. And that's really what makes kids excited about STEM is the real-world stuff that's going around. Because they see, you know, maybe they... I mean, and, and I, actually, when we were doing that project, the kids were looking at pictures of homeless people, and it really, like, they were like, why isn't anyone helping them? Why is why is somebody actually taking a picture of this person who looks like they're freezing? You know, and, and it really was interesting because that was fourth graders that it really hit home with them. Or like, look at this animal. He looks so sad. And it's like the kids really empathize with what's going on in the real world. And so that, that was really interesting to kind of take a step back and, and listen to them making these connections. So so we're talking about emotional connections with science, which I think is a lot of time the, the real goal of teaching is let's get them emotionally connected with this process or emotionally connected with the, the, the subject that we're speaking about. When kids are first introduced to the idea of some of these challenges or some of these engineering problems, what different reactions do you see? What you know Is this something they embrace right off the bat or they kind of have to be worked into? What is a student's first response to this STEM style of learning? If they haven't done anything with STEM, usually they're really excited or they get super frustrated early because they don't know the solution right as soon as they you know get the challenge posed to them so it can get frustrating for kids sometimes and that's where the teachers 
really are the go-to person. Like, they're the cheerleader. They're the ones that are just encouraging the kids, like, keep going, you've got this, and trying to make them take a step back and, okay, how can we, you know, look at solving this problem without giving them the answer? Because I think that's the key. Yeah, so a lot of times these design type challenges it's not like two plus two we know there's a, a specific answer and three is the wrong answer and five is the wrong answer but in in some of these challenges students can design things outside of the box so how does grading this work and, and how do you keep them encouraged when there's not necessarily a classic check mark of you've got the right answer how, how does how do you work with students through that well we have a lot of deadlines so there you may have a project that's due by this date you've got to hit your deadline. And a lot of the STEM projects do take some time, so kids have to figure out how can I break up the work? What do I need to do? Different teachers might have like things that they need to write out. They may have a research portion. So there's different things and kind of different like checkpoints along the way, and the kids just have to keep going um, with their with their goals. Okay, interesting. So just basically you've got the deadline in place, you work with them, keep encouraging them, help them kind of break down the steps of it, and so if they get lost in the idea of how complex it is, you can break it down further, kind of guide them through step by step. So in particular here at TCEA, you're talking about STEM on a budget. Yes. Uh, a lot of schools, a lot of our listeners are going, hey, this is great, woohoo for you if you can afford everything, right. but you're not really talking about spending a lot of money here. So what does it look like to really do this with a, a budget and an eye towards accessibility for all the students and all the schools out there? Well, I like to look at, I've got a blog, it's called Little Bins for Little Hands, and they did a blog post about Dollar Store Kids Engineering Kit, and there's some a really great PDF on there, and it has supplies that you can buy at the dollar store. You can print it off and take it with you. And as a teacher, I mean, I know we don't have a lot of money. So one thing that you can do is you can print this list off, put it on sticky notes, and then on your back-to-school night, or maybe when there's, like, parent-teacher conferences, just have those little items written out and have the parents take a sticky note. And most of the time, you know, a parent doesn't mind donating some popsicle sticks or cups that's more affordable than saying, hey, can you get me, you know, even dowel rods can be expensive. Mm -hmm. So just kind of thinking about how can I do this more economically. Um, so I really do like that blog, and the PDF is pretty helpful. Just things like cups, balloons, toothpicks, rubber bands, and cheap. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Interesting. That was Little Bins, B-I-N-S, yes. for Little Hands? Yes. Okay. All right. So a great resource for you there. But basically, this sounds like taking not necessarily even scientific items, but everyday Walmart, dollar store type of items, rubber bands and popsicle sticks, and, and applying scientific ideologies and methods and concepts to these basic items. And that's really how you're getting STEM on a budget? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many different ways that you can do it. I mean, there's different challenges, different structures that you can build. And depending on what grade level you teach, if you look at your state standards, you can see, and I, I do it in science, so different ways that you can add STEM to go along with your state standards. And if that makes any sense, like for example, one of our things that our kids in elementary school have to do is they have to design a bridge, create a bridge. They don't have to do anything with it, they just have to create it. So, and then, I mean, as they go up in, in, you know, specificity as far as their standard, then it'll change a little bit. But so just simple structures that the kids will build and test. And it's easy to make something out of straws or 
toothpicks. Okay, interesting. So that's a little bit of the practical application perspective from a training perspective. Uh, you're working with a teacher who has taught science for a while, but it's been a little bit more of your classic textbook, maybe memorization type of teaching, starting out in a, in a STEM type environment. How do you begin educating them or what resources do you give them to kind of start this process? Is there a new mindset they need to have? What, what does that initial training look like? Yes, there is a new mindset, and, and I was actually asked in my TCEA presentation, this sounds like really good teaching, why aren't we just doing this? You know, why aren't we doing more integrated subjects? And for so long, we've had everything separate. You know, you have science time for however long, you have math time for however long, and integrated STEM really allows you to be able to bring it all together, and yes, it is good teaching. So we just have to get more people on board. and. You know, even administrators, when they come in your room and it's a little bit messy or maybe it's a little chaotic, we have to kind of train them in a way like it's okay to see that. Yeah, I, th I think that's interesting because you're, you're talking about a classroom that looks different, not only from the student's perspective, you're talking about how excited they can be because it's much more tactile, much more hands-on. Um, you've got a teacher that's having to look at a different classroom. But now you also have administration that has to come into a classroom that can look very, very different. What do those conversations look like with administration, or how do you explain this to someone who isn't in the classroom every day and, and communicate the effectiveness of it? I think the main thing that you have to help people with is what are the kids doing and what are the kids learning? And once they see that, yeah, it's a little messy, it's a little chaotic, but the kids are learning and the practical application really hits home for them. And I mean, ultimately, it's, it sounds kind of lofty, but like we're making them good, responsible citizens who have passion for, let's say, you know, helping the homeless or helping animals. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So this, this comes down to the most practical, basic application of look how much fun they're having and look how much they're learning. And when you, when you break it down to just that base level, that's where really the gold is, but also that's where a lot of the buy-in comes in from teachers and administrators. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, we do have to train teachers because STEM, you know, some people really like, like, orderly rooms, classrooms in rows. We know that education's changing, but at the same time, like, how can we support teachers because it can get messy and it is, I mean, the professional development that needs to go along with adding more STEM or STEAM is, you know, I mean, it's not for everybody, but it is, it's a really good opportunity if you decide to take the plunge. Gotcha. Okay, so we've already talked about little bins for little hands. Um, I, I know there's got to be YouTube videos and, and other things like that. If someone is interested in getting started in this, maybe they don't have uh, this as part of their PD. Maybe there's not a tech coordinator there who's already kind of behind it. How would an individual teacher begin learning about incorporating this? What, what other resources uh, do you think would be of value to them? Well, there are tons of different resources that are out there. And, and the thing that I really, I don't want teachers to have to do is go and buy things. There are, actually, what is it, Engineers Week is coming up here really soon. And it's the end of February. There's a ton of different resources out there. So Engineers Week is February 18th through the 24th. And there are some really, really good resources just for people, 
you know, if you want to just start talking about engineering or if you wanted to show them maybe a video about what do engineers do because there's a lot of misconceptions mm -hmm. um, anyway about engineering. So we actually initially connected over Twitter and there's a lot of conversations yes. happening on Twitter about STEM and STEAM and, and all of this. So if a, if a teacher wants to start there, that's even an amazing resource where people are sharing best practices and um, the, the concepts that they're using. How, how do people begin that journey? Just jump on Twitter and start searching certain hashtags, or what do those conversations look like? Yes, you could jump on Twitter, but it can get pretty overwhelming. I would think about, you know, what do you, what do you really want your kids to learn? You want to add STEM, maybe there's a standard that you have that, like, really feel, you feel like that lends itself. So maybe it's circuits, and you want them to design or create something. But I think that the designing and creating is the big key. Yes, you can jump on Twitter. There are hashtags. There are companies out there. Project Lead the Way is one that you can buy curriculum from. Okay. So, you know, what, what you keep coming back to is this design and creation process. Obviously, you, you love the design, creation, the engineering, the problem-solving aspect of it. It sounds like the takeaways for the listeners are this is accessible, that this does not require um, Raspberry Pi units and Arduinos and, you know, miniature robots and all this other thing to really integrate STEM into their environment. This can be done more with the mind as the computer and just... Um, inanimate objects that yeah. can be incorporated into the rest of it, which is which is very interesting. What other takeaway would you give a teacher out there who is considering this and, and wanting to kind of get started or maybe has and is stuck? Is there any, a piece of encouragement or a, a story that you would say, you know what, this is worth it, keep, keep going? Uh, two of my favorite teachers that I get to work with, their slogan in their classroom is, if you're, fa if you're not failing, you're not growing. Okay. And I think that even as a teacher, if you're not failing, you're not growing. And so just keep going and know that at the end of the day, yeah, there may be some challenges, but what design works the first time? What experiment works right the first time? Yeah. Okay. So if, uh, if you failed, congratulations, you're experimenting. Congratulations, exactly. you're doing science. Yep. That's basically the takeaway there. I love yep. that. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so we're getting here to the end of the episode where we go through what we call our lightning round. Um, is there a piece of technology that Katie has to have, Katie cannot live without? If I took it from you, you're like, Jake, you're killing me. What, what, what's your favorite piece of technology? Is it cell phone, laptop, Apple Watch? My favorite is my MacBook. Okay, got to have the MacBook. Gotta That's fair. That's yeah, fair. It's light and I can take it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Is there any particular resource, maybe a podcast, maybe a YouTube video, maybe a book you've recently read or a website um, that you go to for inspiration or um, ideas, motivation? Where, where do you go when, okay, I need to learn something new? Uh, my favorite place, honestly, I really love different TED Talks. So there's some great okay. TED Talks out there yeah. about STEM and, you know, different things that are happening in science, different engineers. So... TED Talks. Okay, I love that. And then if we visit Hayes ISD, if we got down in Buda, Texas, south of Austin, where do we eat at? What, what's the restaurant we just have to visit? I would recommend go to Kyle, and we okay. have Texas Pie Company. Texas Pie Company. So they've got the best sandwiches and the best pies that you can find. Love it, love <laughs> it. Katie, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. Listeners, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of EdTech. Well done, brought to you by Neverwhere. Thanks, and see you next time.